A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. It is like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you witness to I'm asking you to brush his hair. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 120. I am your host, Norm The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So it has been a minute since I've done uh, any podcasting. I, I don't think I've done anything in two weeks. Uh, crazy work schedule. I'm really tired. Homeschooling my daughter. Just finding time to get things recorded. I'm trying to do more stuff live. This is going to be a pre-recorded, uploaded video because it's going to be pretty long and uh, lots of opportunities to make mistakes. So I appreciate all the new subscribers. We continue to grow in our subscriber numbers. I mean, we're at 222 here. So, I mean, it's not huge. By no means am I viral, but I owe that to everybody who likes the videos, subscribes, shares, does all that stuff, because again, that makes Mr. Algorithm. I made him up. Before they put him in the Disney movie, I've been I've been talking about Mr. Algo Rhythm or Algae Rhythm or whatever for a long time. So um, I'm not stealing it from LeBron James. I, I I don't need to take nothing from that dude. He's not the goat. He's not even top ten. Sidebar <laughs> um, makes Mr. Algo Rhythm send these videos out to more and more people who are likely to want to see them and then more people see them more people subscribe numbers go up and one day i might be able to make a living out of this okay i can dream i i can dream thank you um so today we are gonna do catch up this is the um this is just the catch up episode i don't i don't even remember what i titled it uh something about uh catch up um yeah so uh we are i'm gonna do respond to two different videos so this is going to be a little bit of an extended video of the master's dog i'm doing dealing with saints unscripted again um they took like a couple weeks off and didn't do any faith and beliefs videos so i had nothing to respond to um almost went over to their podcast which i may start doing as well and uh responding to that because they're on the saints unscripted podcast they're starting to with a guy david that i've actually met and um spoke to outside the temple uh interesting cat but he's going through some of the uh controversial things about joseph smith so they're talking about polygamy right now they, their first episode was fanny alger um or alger i don't know how to pronounce her name I, I don't know them uh so i haven't watched it yet but i'm going to and then decide whether or not i want to take and make that part of uh the master's dog repertoire um and then there's a few other things that i'm going to be getting into 
Um, one is in the false teacher of the week, which is an interesting one this week, which will come up uh, shortly after this video is posted. Um, and then I'm, I'm trying to get, I, again, I'm trying to get more and more people on the list to do false teacher of the week. So if you have suggestions, please put them in the comments. Uh, go over to the false teacher of the week videos and put them in the comments. Send them to me on Facebook at Norm Dunham. Uh, Twitter at The Master's Dog or The Evangelical Norm. Um, even you can hit me on TikTok at The Evangelical Norm. On t yeah, I'm there. I do six degrees to Kevin Bacon and stuff, and I'm going to start doing uh, some other false teacher kind of stuff in there um, as I can, as I start to figure it out. I, I don't understand a lot of it yet in the filters and blah, blah, blah. So oh, all that being said, the back, a little background for um, all of you new subscribers. Uh, this master's dog is where I deal with false teachers, false religions, false doctrines, all that good stuff. And, uh, break them down and talk about them. So wasted enough time. We are in it. So we are going to jump into uh, our YouTube and oh, okay, great. Now I got to go find the video. Sh bear with me. We're going to, this is, this is live. You live, live. So we'll get there. Um, need to just jump here. So we are going to start with the episode that the Saints Unscripted did, David, on Revelation and Inspiration. Then we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about one other uh, episode that we're not actually going to watch. So we're going to jump in here with this one, What's the Difference Between Revelation and Inspiration? This is our friend David from Saints Unscripted, uh, very scripted, and talking about this stuff. So here we hey guys, go. so in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, hey guys, so in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in what we call modern revelation. Just like in ancient times, we believe that today God can speak not only to prophets, but to each of his children individually through the Holy Spirit. This principle of personal modern revelation is hugely important, but it can also be frustrating if you don't know how the Spirit communicates with you, if you don't know what to expect. But I don't know what you're saying! For example, the scriptures are chock full of miraculous manifestations of the Spirit, pillars of fire, angelic appearances, prophetic dreams, etc. These kinds of miracles can happen today just as they did anciently. But if this is what you're expecting from the Spirit day after day in your personal life, you're probably going to be disappointed. I sort of view the scriptures as the prophets' greatest hits albums. We see the highlights from their lives, but not much of the day-to-day -day stuff. It's like how on the radio we'll hear Sweet Caroline and Forever in Blue Jeans. <laughs> But the hits are relatively few and far between, and Neil has a ton of other music that you just don't hear as often, like that classic tune, You're So Sweet, Horseflies Keep Hanging Round Your Face. This metaphor is getting weird. The goal in today's episode is to help you understand some of the different ways the Spirit can communicate with you. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the difference between revelation and inspiration. Let's do it. Okay. Wow, that was a really long introduction. So, let's get into it. Let's see what he's got to say. All right, so to help us understand the difference between revelation and inspiration, we're calling in some help from the late apostle Elder Richard G. Scott. <laughs> you guys are so screwed now! In 2012, he gave a... Okay. I've explained this before, but some of these things, I mean, that's just... <laughs> 
I don't even know what to make of that. That uh, they want to claim they don't worship men, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's just weird. That's just crazy. They do a lot of these little funny clips and stuff like that to, um, uh, and it's it's more effective in like the weightier things, talking about polygamy and um, poly uh, polytheism and so on, stuff like that. They throw these little things in to kind of make you laugh to uh, lighten the um, weightiness of the topic that they're talking about. So it it, it literally is a uh, psychological. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Drawing a blank. It's a, it's a psychological uh, tactic to throw you off, essentially. A talk aptly titled, How to Obtain Revelation and Inspiration for Your Personal Life. Latter-day Saints often use the term revelation as an umbrella term, referring to any kind of communication from the Spirit. And that's not necessarily wrong, but what Elder Scott does is he breaks things down a bit more. He gets more specific and differentiates between revelation and inspiration. He says, The Holy Ghost communicates important information that we need to guide us in our mortal journey. When it is crisp and clear and essential, it warrants the title of revelation. When it is a series of promptings, we often have to guide us step by step to a worthy objective. It is inspiration. Did you catch all that? Okay, did you catch all that? So here's the deal. Looking at this from a Christian point of view, we would say that anything that is revelation, that God is revealing dis in, uh, intentionally, um, we would say that requires that to become scripture. And we don't see that the same way today. I do believe that there are still people who prophesy that can, um, I, I'm not a cessationist. So we'll get, put that out there. Leave the comment, leave their bad remarks in the comment. I think that prophecy has changed to the point today that it is not foretelling, but it is forthtelling. Somebody who goes out and proclaims the word of God, street preachers, evangelists, uh, people like that who go out and, and proclaim God's word, you know, um, abolitionists who go and speak at, at places like you know Jeff Durbin going and speaking at uh, you know state houses and stuff like that. These are people that God is using in a prophetic way to speak forth what God has already revealed. I do believe we can be inspired. I think that there are things that God inspires us to do um, on our day-to-day -day thing that are just like nudgings from the Holy Spirit and so on. But I don't think that the same way that he is talking about and the way that some uh, charismatics talk about is the way that prophecy and revelation is applied and effective today in the gifts of the Spirit. He says that when communication from the Holy Ghost is three things, crisp, clear, and essential, it's revelation. When it's a series of promptings we often have to guide us step-by-step step to a worthy objective, it's inspiration. So to flesh this out some more, can you think of any examples of inspiration in the scriptures? An example of a series of promptings from the Spirit that guided someone, not all at once, but step-by-step step to a worthy objective. Well, how about Nephi at the beginning of the Book of Mormon as he ventures into the city of Jerusalem to obtain the brass plates from Laban? The brothers had already tried twice unsuccessfully to get the plates. Laban reacted by stealing from them and trying to have them killed. 
not a good situation. So what's Nephi's master plan for not attempt really number three? Well, he doesn't really know. He says, I, Nephi, crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban, and I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nevertheless, I went forth. Now, Nephi is writing this story down long after it had happened. He may not have even known at the time that he was being led by the Spirit through those Jerusalem streets. He didn't know what he was going to do, but the Spirit is inspiring Nephi along the way towards his objective. Soon enough, he just so happens to find Laban totally drunk and passed out in the street. And then, revelation comes, crisp and clear, as the Spirit commands Nephi to take Laban's life. The Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. Nephi was a bit shocked by the instruction, but he obeys the Spirit. It's obviously a bit of a controversial bit of scripture that we'll probably dedicate an entire episode to in the future, but in the meantime, if you want to dive into that subject more, go check out these Not two scriptures. Resources. But Didn't anyway, happen. so right there in the fourth chapter of 1 Nephi, we get a pretty clear back-to-back -back example of inspiration and revelation. Inspiration is more subtle, gradual. Revelation is more striking and perhaps more obvious. Sometimes in our lives, we want and expect only crisp, clear instances of revelation. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? Then talk back. And we forget that this more subtle process of inspiration is also a way the Spirit of God is actively communicating with us. It may be different for you, but in my life, I feel that I experience inspiration a lot more often than I experience crisp and clear revelation. Oftentimes, I don't even realize or recognize the Spirit's influence until after the fact. I look back and notice, wow, things just really fell into place there. I don't think that was just a coincidence. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Of course, there are also moments of revelation of varying degrees of intensity. Moments when the Burning spirit the very bosom. clearly prompts you with a warning or a confirmation of spiritual truth. The point is, be aware of both inspiration and revelation. It could be that right now in your life, you've got big decisions to make or big questions on your finish, mind. Not receiving a crisp, clear revelation when you feel like you need it can be frustrating, and it can make you wonder why God is taking so long to help you out. Answer me! But if you haven't received that crisp, clear revelation yet, you may want to take a moment to look back and see if you can pick up on a series of promptings, quietly leading you step by step to a worthy objective. It could be that God has been there all along. Check out the resources in the description for more info on this topic, and have a great day. Okay, so... Um, we're gonna, why is that not going away? Interesting. So we're gonna, I'm gonna get the second video ready and then I'm gonna talk about a couple of things here. Um, man, my, my buttons are not working today. Okay. Upgraded uh, uh, the software and now I gotta go back in and make changes. So uh, as I get this next video set up, and uh, try to multitask a couple of things one thing that I, I find interesting is that they don't talk about uh, burning in the bosom much anymore you don't hear that the way that you used to um, hear them talk about as revelation and inspiration and so on by the the power of you know the burning in the bosom and, and so on but one of the things I did want to say is I think it is it is possible to look back and go, these are things that God has done in my life to 
pushed me into these directions and and provided these things for me. Call it inspiration, call it whatever, call it, you know, God's sovereignty, whatever you want. But the reality is, is if you are getting revelation that contradicts the Bible, again, because we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not pulling any punches here. And I'm not, I've, I've already done all the episodes over how the Book of Mormon is false and fraudulent and everything else. So you can go back and find those. So we're, we're just going off of that premise that the Book of Mormon is not scripture. So if you're getting revelation that literally violates and or contradicts God's word, if you're getting revelation that, that Jesus is not God, but one of many gods, or God is not uh, the only God, but one of many gods, but he's just the God we have to do with. If you're getting revelation that the Book of Mormon is true, all these things are false and they are not from God. They are not inspiration. They are not revelation. They're could be demonic influence or they're just uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. I can literally, the the feeling that I got back when I was a kid and or younger in my teenage years and so on, and I would pray about the Book of Mormon and I would get what I would call the burning in my bosom that testified to me that this was true. Or I used to, I would get it sometimes and I would change the channel on the TV and on like the religious channel, there would be a Mormon show. And I even one time told my dad, I said, hey, you know, I think that you know, I, I feel that burning in the bosom and I'll, I'll go to the TV and I'll turn the channel and find an LDS show. And this is why I think the church is true, trying to convince my dad. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go eat your, your uh, Dinty Moore beef stew. Um, but now I can, I can literally reproduce it. I can mentally just bear with me. Not that you'll believe me, but there it is. I can make myself feel that feeling in my chest. I can make myself do it. So whether or not it's true, revelation, inspiration has to line up with what the Bible says to be actually something from God. Let's move on to our next video. We are going to jump into this is a dealing with the translation of the Book of Mormon. Really not all that interesting, not anything I'm really concerned about or anything like that, but uh, probably won't have a whole lot to say about it because, again, it, it how Joseph Smith translated doesn't mean anything because he made it all up. What he didn't plagiarize from the Bible or take from other books or things that he read. He was a storyteller, and I firmly believe that he just told a story. I know that they've got tons of videos talking about how that's just not possible. He wasn't that smart. He was, I, I think Joseph Smith was as least as smart as J.K. Rowling, and she wrote, I, I mean, as a former Wiccan, and uh, I, I hate witchcraft, I haven't read the books. I watched the movies. So again, how much of that is J.K. Rowling? But well done. Well done. I think Joseph Smith was was easily as smart as J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. All these people who wrote these stories, that's what Joseph Smith did. So let's talk about translation. And then we'll talk about the third episode that we didn't actually watch. Um, and I'll just break that down real quick. So here, once again, David 
with translation of the Book of Mormon. So the Book of Mormon prophet Nephi made two sets of metal plates that generations of Nephite leaders would use to document Nephite history. We call these records the large plates of Nephi and the small plates of Nephi. A later Nephite prophet by the name of Mormon took the large plates of Nephi and wrote an abridged or shortened version of the large plates on another set of plates known as the Plates of Mormon. Mormon's abridgment of the large plates included the books we know today as the books of Lehi, Mosiah, Alma, Helaman, 3rd and 4th Nephi. Before Mormon passed his record down to his son Moroni, among all of the ancient records he had access to, he discovered the small plates of Nephi. He saw that they covered essentially the same time period as the Book of Lehi he'd already abridged from the large plates, but he really liked what was included in Nephi's small plates. So Mormon takes the plates of Mormon, the small plates of Nephi, and another sealed record and combines them into one set of plates. He gives them to his son Moroni, who later buries them. This is the record the young Joseph Smith recovered and translated some 1400 years later. With Martin Harris as his main scribe in 1828, Joseph starts translating Mormon's abridgment of the large plates of Nephi. They get through the book of Lehi. And I do, again, appreciate the fact that they are now being extremely honest about the way that Joseph Smith translated. They're removing the pictures of him looking at these gold plates, sitting in front of his scribe, reading them and so on and actually showing the way that he did it with his his occultic seer stone in a hat with his hat on his face and then reading off words as they would go and then the words wouldn't disappear until they were written down correctly but yet we have this book that has thousands of mistakes um that they blamed all upon uh, apparently upon publishers and and editors and blah 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 and and then the other there's a lot of questions let we'll let him continue and then we'll deal with all those questions towards the end. And then Martin Harris loses the manuscript. It's what happened Oops. next in the translation that we're going to talk about today. And he's getting longer and longer in his introductions. He's be real short. All right, so Martin Harris losing Mormon's abridgment of the Book of Lehi came as no surprise to God. I know everything. In about five seconds, a waiter's going to drop a tray of dishes. This was one of the reasons he'd inspired Mormon to include the small plates of Nephi in his record. Instead of retranslating the lost record, Joseph translated the unabridged small plates of Nephi, which covered events from the same time period. But instead of starting the translation with the book of 1st Nephi and the small plates, from the available evidence, it looks like Joseph picked up where he and Martin had left off after the book of Lehi with the book of Mosiah in Mormon's abridgment of the large plates. They went from Mosiah through Moroni, the last book in the book of Mormon, and translated the small plates last, even though they chronologically appear at the beginning of the book of Mormon, 1st Nephi through Words of Mormon. Now, why do scholars believe this is how it went down? Well, for multiple reasons. Because they have to. Because now they've had to come up with a reasoning to to explain away these last 116 pages from the most correct book of any book that contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel that is missing something by going, oh yeah, the re that was it was going to be the same stuff. Well, if it was going to be the same stuff, why did they translate? The oh, because God wanted to lose those pages. Got you. A again, just the way that Joseph Smith... As you look at the stories that he told, take the first vision. There are nine different versions of the first vision attributed to Joseph Smith. 
nine. Now, if my 15-year-old son, I don't have a son, but if my daughter turning 15 came to me with nine different stories of something that she swears up and down happened, I'm going to punish her for lying because that's what liars do. They make up stories, they forget things, they, they change things, they evolve things. So to have a 15 or 16 or 14, the, the discrepancies in ages aside, to have somebody come and give you all these different stories, but then go, oh yeah, well one of them is true and the rest of them are just, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, it's indicative of a lie. It's indicative of a con man. It's indicative of a bamboozle, whatever. Same thing here. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long they've had these these things about small plates and abridgments and stuff like this. I never heard about this stuff while I was a Mormon. I never heard about any of these things. So I don't know if they. this is a new thing that they're, they're putting out. Because, but it, what it is, it sounds like they're making things up to cover up for the things that have been said in the past that do not make sense in order to make it seem true. So again, when you're trying to, to defend the lie of a con man, you end up having to con people yourself. Oliver Cowdery started as Joseph Scribe on April 7, 1829, but by May 15th, they had already translated through the middle of the book of 3rd Nephi, yet the translation was not complete until about June 30th. If they started in April with 1st Nephi instead of Mosiah, then at the rate they were going, they would have finished the translation long before June 30th. But if they started in Mosiah, the June 30th conclusion makes more sense. Also, why? Why? If they're translating the same amount of stuff, why does it make more sense that they finished later or earlier? I didn't even follow that. Why does it make more sense that, well, they started in the middle, so it took them this much longer, but if they had started at the beginning, no, they're translating the same amount of stuff. Why do you say it would make more sense to be shorter or longer or whatever? I don't get it. But again, what you're doing is you're, it's, it's apologetic acrobatics to try to convince you that something is true. In early June, Joseph moved the translation project from Harmony, Pennsylvania to the Whitmer home in Fayette, New York, where the translation would conclude. While there, some of the Whitmers helped out as scribes for this final month of translation. In the original manuscript of the Book of Mormon, the handwriting of John Whitmer shows up in 1st Nephi, suggesting that the small plates portion was what Joseph translated last while in Fayette. Also, copyright records confirm that the title page of the Book of Mormon, found probably at the end of the Plates of Mormon, was already translated by June 11th, 1829, even though, again, the translation project wasn't complete until about June 30th, suggesting once more that after translating the Plates of Mormon, they translated the small plates of Nephi. Now, as sort of a side note, another interesting thing to consider is that in the printer's manuscript of the Book of Mormon, Mosiah chapter 1 was originally marked as Mosiah chapter 3. At some point, Oliver changed the 3 into a 1. Also, at the beginning of every other book abridged by Mormon, he opens with a summary line or paragraph of what the book is about. But in the Book of Mosiah, there is no introductory paragraph. Hmm. Point being, 
It's possible that the pages that Martin Harris lost not only contained the entire book of Lehi, but also the first two original chapters of the book of Mosiah. But anyway, why is this Mosiah first translation chronology important? Well, it's information that adds yet another layer of complexity to the history of the Book of Mormon translation process. Later Nephite leaders had quoted from and frequently alluded to earlier records, like the small plates of Nephi. For example, in Mosiah 10, we get a bunch of brief plot references to events from the life of Nephi and his brothers. These kinds of allusions to the small plates happen over and over again in later records. If Joseph Smith was a fraud, he would have been making all of these references early in the translation to events he hadn't yet written down, but that he would have to remember to write later on, as they would need to come first in the chronology why do we say that this is not possible? I know people who have memorized like entire sections of scripture and stuff like that. It's not that far-fetched to think that Joseph Smith memorized this stuff. That he had a memory that, I mean, he's a storyteller. It is obvious that he is a storyteller. I mean, we see it in all of his history. So it doesn't, it's not that far-fetched to think, but oh no, he wasn't a smart boy. He wasn't an educated man. He was, you know, you have to throw your prophet under the bus to make him seem ridiculous and stupid in order to maintain this story. ...of the story for those references to make sense. And there's no indication that Joseph had a pre-written manuscript, notes, or reference materials of any kind to aid him in the dictation process. I have yet to hear a naturalistic theory of how this book came into being that makes sense and accounts for the available evidence. And we've talked about a lot of those theories in past videos. Personally, the easiest explanation for me to believe is that Joseph was telling the truth and that the Book of Mormon was translated by the gift and power of God. Of course, this logic does not by any means prove that the Book of Mormon is true. A testimony of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon will ultimately come from God through the Holy Spirit. Burning in the bosom. We've already talked about that. If you're looking for that witness, don't forget to sincerely read and pray about this book. And if you don't get that witness, then obviously you didn't sincerely read or pray. It's just like the guy I talked to out at that rally today. You know, I try to explain that, yes, we do things to take care of kids. Well, no, you're a liar because we have already determined that you are this. And so I can't believe anything that you would tell me. And it's the same thing. If you don't get the, the testimony that the Book of Mormon is true, well, then obviously you're not sincere enough and you need to go back. That's what Joseph did to the people when they were praying for to see the, the plates. And then they got to see them through the eye of faith. So um, we're going to just end that there. We're going to take care of that and we're going to be done because now he's just going to go back and tell you to look at the, the references in the blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And so let's see. Okay, that did come up. This was the other episode that we did not watch, but uh, they did in between these two episodes that we just referred to, um, Nephi versus Laman, who was the rightful king. And the reason why I didn't talk about either, about this is because who cares? They're fictional characters. I'm not going to take the time to break down who is the actual chosen one in the Star Wars trilogy, whether it was actually really Anakin or Luke or uh, Rey. I mean, one of these brought balance to the force in some way, shape, or form in every uh, prequel in some way, shape, or form, right? Um, you know, not really the first pre or first trilogy, but 
So, but I'm not going to spend time arguing about it because it's fictional. You determine what you want when you read those books. You determine what you want when you read Harry Potter or any of those things. It's just, it doesn't, it's, it's pointless. So that's why I didn't talk about it. So that's why we are not going to deal with that at all. Oh, hey, look, my button worked. Um, so... All that being said, thank you guys for taking the time to watch this video. I know it's a lot longer than they normally are. Hopefully this week I'll be able to work out my scheduling and stuff like that and get back on track to get us to some, some short, concise uh, 15 to 20 minute videos on this topic and then our regular stuff later on. So um, again, please, if you haven't already hit that subscribe button, hit the notification, get all the content that I release here on the evangelical norm on YouTube as long as I can. If I end up getting shut down because of like COVID stuff or whatever political things I say, um, we'll move everything over to Rumble. But at this point, Rumble is just a little too clunky and too hard to get things uploaded to um, at the same time. So I'm just sticking with this platform and sharing things out and about in different social media places where I am. Not the B, um, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, you can find it and uh, check it out. But hit subscribe here. That way you'll get all the stuff that I do, all the different podcasts that are done. Um, there's only one guy I know that's harder working in the podcast world than me, and that is Dwayne Atkinson. Uh, God bless, brother. Uh, thank you guys again for watching. And as always, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.